So we're recording. Um, so we're not. We'll. Well, when do you want to start? Start now. Okay. <coughs> All right, go on then. You host. You remind <laughs> me every week. You're the host. So. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fun-filled 30, 40, 50 minutes of the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Cue the music. Da 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 da. No one sent us. So please, please, if you're listening, it would be wonderful if someone, anyone, would just g- give us a jingle. It, do- it doesn't matter how bad it is. At this stage, it doesn't matter how bad it is. Yeah, actually, maybe the worse, the better. Uh, actually, the worse well, it is, the funnier it is. Well, well I, I think that, actually, it doesn't matter what it's like, because at the moment, we've got nothing to choose from. So, sure. because we've got nothing to choose from... Yours, if you send yours in now, it will definitely, definitely be used. And it will definitely be the best. Yeah, so, exactly. So yeah. that's the way you've got to look at it. Um, so please send us something, anything in. And uh, as we get more and more listeners every week, last week was our highest rated episode of the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Well, it was technically the only episode of the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast, wasn't it? Because we've changed the name every single week. Yeah, this is but the uh, two week on the trot. Yeah. We're still the same. So so that means we're becoming shout. something. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Um, as we get more listeners, it would be great if we just had a little jingle. It would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. But never mind, we won't dwell on that for 40, 50 minutes. Well, we could do. Well, we could do, but I think we get less Life's and less, not fair. Less and less <sighs> listeners each week if they're people like, oh, shut up moaning. Well, I could moan for yeah. 40 minutes every oh, week. Definitely could. Um, definitely could. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So what's new with you, And What is new? Um, in the world of professional wrestling, um, I had no shows again. I've got a show coming up. This week, two shows. We've got the Buckland Community Centre on Saturday. Chance for the, the stars of the Portsmouth School of Wrestling to, to work in front of an audience, which is very, very important. Um, and also put on a great, fun family show um, on Saturday in Portsmouth. On Sunday, we are live at the London Cockpit. And then on next next Friday, back at back to your call. It feels like I was only there last week um, for Uprising 2017. So that's kind of been consuming my life um, at the moment, um, yeah, other exciting stuff I've been working on, but I don't know if I can reveal the details. No. So okay. Well, that does sound riveting. Oh, we launched uh, High Stakes 2018 as well. Oh, yeah, okay. January 20th, back at York Hall. I just love it. We'll just be so there every week at this rate, won't we, <laughs> one, soon? One day, one day. Um, tickets went on sale for High Stakes 2018. Um, general sale started yesterday. Going exceedingly well. It'll be a so bit like a... Friday nights at the Dallas Sportatorium soon, oh, won't it? We're every Friday night. Yeah. Absolutely. That'd I think be that'd brilliant. be good. Yeah, yeah. So just buy tickets for that and make us come one step closer to our dream. And and, and if you don't know what the Dallas Sportatorium is, look it up. And there's a couple of excellent documentaries on there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, there's a, the WWE one, which is, I don't know what they're called. <laughs> um, the Triumph and Tragedy of world class would that be on the WWE network for 9.99 certainly is yeah so definitely check that out and there's also my my heroes heroes of world class and that's my personal favourite I think everyone Um, everyone who's seen both prefers the independently produced one although not for any reason the WWE one's still very good yeah sure yeah I mean they, they are very very similar Although the Heroes of World Class is that little, little bit, bit darker. A little bit more gritty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And like uh, the footage hasn't been cleaned up all that we, well. We've, we've always loved the, uh, the Sportatorium, haven't we? Since Well, probably since seeing those documentaries. Yeah. Um, and that's led to uh, you pretending or trying to be friends with Kevin Von Erich I, all the time, I, isn't it? I, <laughs> yeah, somehow. <laughs> friends on Twitter, right? Yeah, somehow I ended up with, um, in some... I s- he slid into my DMs, actually. <laughs> 
uh, I can't remember what I was talking about, um, but he slid into my DMs and was, we were talking about the royalties off the DVD, I think, this going back a few years, and you have a very lovely piece of artwork. Oh, wow. The truth comes out now. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, so I'll quickly tell this story. About five, six years ago, uh, there, was a, there was an art gallery, which I'd read about, uh, and it was, it was essentially called Dead Wrestlers Gallery, wasn't it? Yeah, very, very happy title. Yeah. <laughs> And I was reading about this this gallery, and all, all of a sudden it popped up. That it was actually in Portsmouth, in our in our hometown. So we went down, didn't we? And well, I got across the road from my house at the time, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that's right. In Gunworth Keys, and uh, I brought the Macho Man print, and you brought a really cool Kerry Von Erich print. Yeah, I think we know who won that game in Prince Coolness. Yeah, well I don't know. Yours is probably better picture, but I preferred the Macho Man at the time. Yeah, so uh, which could lead into a story I want to tell about Macho Man, but we'll talk about that this week. But later, because it's the okay, subject. As long as, as long as you cover it this week, because uh, we yeah. had a celebrity guest, uh, a, a celebrity uh, at listener, lunch, didn't we? Uh, complain about our, our lack of finishing off our stories. Yeah, but I thought th- this ties nicely into uh, bringing up the Matcha Man because the story I want to tell ties nicely into what our subject is going to be this week. Because we have a subject this week, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, but let's let's not get too distracted yet. Finish your story about. Um, oh, okay. Kevin Von Erich. So, so I said to Andy. So we were talking. Me and Kevin, only three or four DMs each, talking about DVDs and the wrestling business very, very briefly. And I asked you, didn't I, could I pretend as if it was mine? At first, you, did, yeah, you mine. asked me to send a picture of it first. I don't know <laughs> if you, I don't, I don't know if you um, told the lie first and then you got, you got scared you'd get outed that he'd, he'd post it publicly. And I'll be like, hang on a minute. That's yeah. actually my conservatory wall there. Yeah, that's very true. I, was, uh, I lied I told a bit of a fib just to carry on a conversation because I enjoyed talking to the man. And every other time I've tried to talk to him since, which has only been once, which is shortly after that conversation, before we went to Dallas, he ignored me. Uh-huh. So there you go. Devastating. Yeah, but he still follows me. Heart- heartbroken. Yeah, because he became one of my heroes after seeing that documentary. You know what I'm like, easily impressionable. Very easily impressionable. Mm. And that was when you started using the tornado punch as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for about, about a week. Yeah, Steve Calambi took that. Yeah, punched his face off nearly. Yeah. And that led to a bit of a fallout with uh, one of the hated heroes, I seem to recall. Yeah, that's true. I wanted to kick him in the mouth tonight while he <laughs> sat on the floor. LT Summers, if you're listening to this, which you are. He listens every Wednesday. Remind, yeah, remember that time you insulted me when you were your sat on the... Your tornado, on the stoop, wasn't it? Yeah. The stoop of Nobs Lane. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to get... I, I, I left, didn't I? So you I left. Was, yeah, you, you stormed off like a I moody teenager. Because he offended me considerably. He didn't like your tornado punch. No. And you, we, we've already discussed you've got a fragile ego, so it, it's, yeah. it's nice we're able to link in to episodes. I'd also like to add as well, just while we're at it, that every week on this, uh, this podcast, we seem to talk about um, someone who's got a bit of a thing for you. So obviously we spoke in the first week, we spoke about um, your music teacher. Yes. Yeah. Fancy me. Um, <laughs> the second week, uh, it was Tracy Smothers. Yeah, who, 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 who was, was more naked? Of, he, who was naked and more of an admirer yeah. um, than anything? Yeah. Um, who did we discuss last week? Oh, Rowdy Roddy Piper r- yes. r- on the, the neck rub. Yes, yes. Um, and this week we've talked about Kevin Von Erich slipping into your DMs. <laughs> yeah, <that's> so <laughs> cool. Who's it going to be next week? <laughs> so yeah, who who is it going to be? And I've I've got a few uh, I've got a few people who who have also taken a liking to you. I, I can think of in my head. So maybe we'll just do a new one every week. <laughs> and is fancier for week. <laughs> So maybe if someone could do a jingle for that as well, that'd be nice. Yeah, 
Just uh, ideas. Yeah, that that do that would do wonders to my ego and self esteem as well, wouldn't it? So uh, especially when they start tweeting mind. you, being like, "No, I didn't fancy you." <laughs> Men, and like, women, I don't mind. <laughs> and when your when your music teacher writes to you from jail to <laughs> tell you, yeah, I'm going to get into all sorts of trouble there, legal trouble. Mm. Okay, so uh, our theme this week, Andy, is the World Wrestling Federation for over 50 years, a revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Yeah, did I do that right? It wasn't bad. I can't remember exactly what the well, one was. Well, I thought that's what it was. Yeah, but that was probably when we were a bit older. Okay. Yeah. But um, was it? Well, I'm going to suggest 94. Okay. Yeah, I think you might be right. That period. So anyway, we want to talk about some of our early wrestling memories, but not just like, oh, well, I like WWF since I was seven. I think the interesting difference between me growing up as a wrestling fan and you growing up as a wrestling fan, because there's a very big... St- I was a poor There's black a boy, and you were a rich white boy. <laughs> exactly. I was a, I was a man. I was a, I was. Cro- I grew up in a in a life of privilege. With a silver spoon in your mouth. Yeah, well, not quite at all. My parents run a news agents, but there you go. A very successful news agent, though. Yeah, very successful news agents. Not that that was handed to them when they worked very very. Well, hard they work very. Yeah, they work very very hard to keep it and and to start it up and. Yes, exactly. You just inherited that. Yeah. You were kind of luck. More than anything. Well, I get, well, maybe. But anyway, we're not here to talk about okay. the, all that all that money I've got in the bank. <laughs> not <laughs> uh, not anymore. Already, not now, anymore. Anyway, you? yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, so should we start off? Uh, do you want to start off to off, off telling your side, or should I tell everyone my side? So well, I'm, I'm confused. So are we going to talk about? So I, w- I want to talk about how I was lucky enough to be at Wembley Stadium at SummerSlam. About six weeks after becoming a wrestling fan. About six weeks after. Yeah, that's like, yeah, six to eight weeks. Mummy, yeah. I like wrestling now. <laughs> oh, Andrew, let's take you to <laughs> Wembley Stadium. <laughs> you're, you're probably disappointed that there was a show in Wembley because you'd probably been thrown to flown to America, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. I probably would have been a really lucky boy. So, yeah, I got into WWF right around 1992. Around um, the same time. Did yeah. I, was that, uh, would I be... Yeah, 92, same. Okay, so the first Snap. WrestleMania I was a wrestling fan for was WrestleMania 8. Same? Yes. So. Uh, okay, so tell me, before we get to the, the story, tell me your first memory of, of professional wrestling. Uh, so I will no way am I going to claim as if I was a World of Sport fan, like a lot of people my age claim to be, despite yeah, their the age. I don't even know that's possible. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so when World of Sport came off the telly, or when British wrestling came off ITV, it was in 1988, I'd have been four years old. So, yes, I could have watched it. Would I have any vivid memories of it? Very unlikely. And I would have been two, and people younger than me claimed to have <laughs> right. watched it. Like, <laughs> sure. It's, you're uh, all outed now. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I grew up watching World of Sport, maybe on the wrestling channel. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I grew up, um, so, so my brothers had a friend called Daniel Pierce. My brother's called Daniel and Jamie. They, uh, they used to bring home videotapes of WWF wrestling uh, through their friend Daniel Pierce. And I hated it. I only really hated it because they liked it. My brothers are three and four years older than me. Um, so, uh, and then eventually something must have made me think, oh, if I hang out with the bigger boys, maybe they'll let me, you know, maybe they'll be my friend. So I sat and watched Survivor Series 1988. And this would have been just before WrestleMania 8 in 1992. And this is no word of a lie. For anyone that can remember who was in that first match of Survivor Series 88, can you remember 
one of the tag teams. It's pretty obvious the answer. So well, it's a British Bulldog. The British going to go with. But that's, yeah. what, that's when they did the 20-man That's right. Ten on, yeah. yeah, five teams, 10 on 10. <laughs> and the last team to come out of the good guys were the British Bulldogs. And when I saw the British Bulldogs, I was absolutely blown away that there was Englishmen involved in WWF American Wrestling. So that is what caught my attention. Patriotism, that's what I like yeah, to hear. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? As a young man, I remember thinking, wow, there's Englishmen involved in this. That means I could do it. And from that moment, I swear, since I was seven years old, I went through a little phase where I tried to convince myself I wanted to be an actor when I was about 12. I did that as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can catch me in the new movie, Fighting With My Family. Um, uh, I've always said I wanted to be a wrestler since I was just seven. So uh, my point is, so obviously I watched that with my brothers, loved that. WrestleMania 8 was on the horizon. And then shortly after that, I believe, it was announced SummerSlam. It, it didn't really matter. It was SummerSlam. It could have been, it a, could have been anything. It could have been you, a house show. It didn't matter. You, you didn't even really know what wrestling was, did you? Barely. And it was announced it was Wembley Stadium. And my uncle was a very successful, uh, I don't, God, I don't even know what he did. He wasn't, but he could have been a drug dealer for all I know. But he, he, was, uh, he was a very well-connected man in the city. Like he worked in the banks and stuff. And um, he uh, and he promised us tickets to go see SummerSlam '92 at Wembley. Those fell through um, somehow, and then through another source, my mum was able to pick up some tickets. So my first ever live wrestling event, compared to some people who were the first live right, wrestling. Stop event. looking at me like <laughs> <laughs> looking down my nose at you. Some people's live wrestling events at the Buckland Community Centre. I'm very lucky to say my first ever live wrestling experience was at Wembley Stadium. Uh, watching, obviously, SummerSlam 92, Bret Hart, British Bulldog, the Macho Man, the Legion of Doom coming out on Harley Davidson's The Undertaker. That was coming Hawk's, out last, Hawk's last one for a while, wasn't it? That's yeah. right. Just kept riding on that Harley, didn't he? Apparently, yeah, the story is him and the Berserker went off with the Hells Angels or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, yeah. So, uh, that was my first live wrestling experience, Andy. What was yours? <laughs> 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 well... At this point, we'd probably have some violins playing. Um, yeah. In contrast to Andy, <laughs> um, <laughs> I grew up in quite a poor family. Um, and it's almost like one of those I nearly made it stories. So, like, my, my wrestling experience came to this. So, um, do you ever watch uh, Keeping Up Appearances? With, with Hyacinth Bouquet, spelt Bucket. and uh, No, but I just look minus up story. My friend David... Um, if my mum's listening to this, I'm sorry. My friend David always jokingly says, your mum is high since the UK. So, yeah, so, yeah, carry on. Um, so, Hyacinth Bouquet, um, uh, she always talks about her sister um, with a huge house, and I can't remember the exact saying, but she'd always say, and room for a pony. And we always used to joke that that was my Auntie Mavis or Auntie May May. Because she was the one who was uh, had the big house, room for a pony. She had a she had a swimming pool in her in her garden, um, so that was a, a mark of something. She had money, that um, lady. She did, yeah. like our friend L T Summers. He's just got a house with a swimming pool in the yeah. in the garden, and and it's a house that's got another house, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, he's, he's got the potential have to have another house. Yeah, yeah. cool. A house with a house for a son, maybe. If only yeah. he stuck at wrestling. I think how poor he could still be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, she she used to have Sky, and obviously, it, it goes without saying that you had Sky. You didn't I even, did have Sky. You didn't but even didn't mention that as a big deal. We didn't like. start off. We didn't start off as having Sky because oh, that was when you were like, "Mummy, <laughs> we must have no, Sky." No, WWF was on Sky One on a Friday night, but the specials, like the WrestleManias, as it were, on Sky Movies Plus. Which, yeah. Which even after we got Sky, we didn't have the movie package till a bit later. Auntie on. May May did. Oh well, there you uh, go. So Lucky Auntie May May. <laughs> um, 
So basically, we used to go to my aunt's house um, every... I've got a twin sister called Leanne. Hello, if you're listening. She's not, but got to throw that in there. But um, we used to go to, to her house every Saturday. Now, they, they, we used to swim in the swimming pool, but I could never really swim until a lot later on. Um, but like my sister was... Basically, she was ahead of me with, for, through everything. Um, and I say... And this is going off on a bit of a tangent, but I say, basically, I'm left-handed... Right, and um, when I was at school, they used to teach you how to write right-handed, and those people who are left-handed, they'd be like, and just look at this diagram and that'll show you how to do it with your left hand. And ink would be going all over the place when I was writing because my hand would be smudging the, the stuff and whatever. I was quite slow at reading. Um, really, books just didn't interest me. And this links back to wrestling in a little bit. Um, so I was... I was never slow, I was always intelligent, but like I, I was kind of behind my sister in a lot of ways. Um, and there were, all my cousins were girls. Um, so one of them, there was, one of them had got three girls, another one, so that my aunt's a lot older than my mum. So, so she's got kids and, and their kids are more mine and my sister's age. So one of them had three kids, one of them had a girl and a boy. The boy was a little tear away. So we only used to see like the four girls really. Um, so there was five girls in total and myself every Saturday at my aunt's house. And I couldn't swim and I was a bit of a, I don't know. Like I, I Couldn't did, swim, couldn't read, couldn't write. Well. <laughs> couldn't spell. Wow. <laughs> You're doing well. Uh, anyway. I could, I could, but I was just a bit behind them. And anyway, I'd get bored, bored out my mind. And my aunt, being um, being someone who had Sky TV, she used to record wrestling for the, the next door neighbour. Um, and I was kicking up a fuss one day. Like, I used to have these horrible tantrums when I was restless. And I was kicking up a fuss. Bearing in mind, I was probably about four years old at this time. Um, and... She was like, oh, I've recorded this wrestling for, for the next door neighbour. Let's, let's pop that on and see if we can shut him up for a minute. You know, and, and they put the wrestling, the, the videotape on. And I remember like, instantly I was just captivated by professional wrestling. And it was, um, I, I, I've, I've been asked a question before about what it, what it was that made me get into it. But it was like these bright lights, these larger than life characters, um, just all the music, the, the big colours, just everything about it attracted me. Um, to it, like a bit like a moth going into the light, you know. And, and from that moment, I was absolutely captivated. And from that moment, my least favourite time of the week going to my aunt's was my most favourite, favourite time of the week. Um, so watching that every single Saturday religiously from that point on. Um, and now, obviously, we don't have a... You, I don't have a fairy tale of I was, you know, I was at, <laughs> able to attend SummerSlam. I watched SummerSlam on a, on a VHS that my aunt again recorded for me. Um, again, I, I, I guess from from that, my my main memory was I really, really wanted British Bulldog to win, and when he did, and I remember like a. I was desperate to find out the results of a show had happened. I was desperate to find out the result. And I remember the next day looking through the paper to see if we could find the results. Because, like, in the paper, they used to have, like, little real small print. They used to have results of all these sporting events. And, like, I remember trying to find out if... Um, but there was, a, there was a big publicity account. I don't really remember it as a child, but I see things, uh, you know, like, documented on Twitter. 
um, of all these big sort of pullouts that were in the yeah, national yeah, papers. The build it was a big up, deal, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, like absolutely. It. So that's why we were hoping. But it turns out there was nothing that day, but the following day they put something in the paper because obviously it obviously happened late at night and, and whatever, and they didn't... It was in the, the day after. And I just remember... Bulldog won, and I was so happy, so excited, and then I had this immense feeling of guilt when, um, when Brett, uh, when I when I thought, oh no, what about Brett? <laughs> you know, really? yeah, and and that stayed with me for a long while. It wasn't until later on when I met Brett that I was able to clear the air of my guilty conscience. I did. I told him. I said, yeah, because I, and I think that tied into Brett being one of the only wrestlers I could still believe in, and I could, you know, he was a first real wrestler to me in terms of like he was a real hero and someone I looked up to. Um, and I'm aware I'm going off on a tangent. But anyway, um, so back to, to, to what I was talking about in terms of um, the, the magazine. Um, it, well, that's what I'm going to get to. I, I couldn't read. And I learned how to read by reading WWF magazine. And it turns out that the reason I couldn't read was because I was just not interested in the books that they were giving me at school. So I was probably a, a bit more advanced creatively I like to say that. I was a bit more advanced creatively than they would give me credit for, and the books they gave me just didn't captivate me. So I would read wrestling magazines, um, and I think I've got quite a big vocabulary today, and I look back at that, and I, I credit the WWF magazine with giving me that, that vocabulary, because what used to happen is I used to read the magazine, and if there was a word I didn't understand, I'd, I'd underline it in pencil, and my mum would tell me, what it understood, and what, what, sorry, what it meant, so I'd understand it. And I would read that, I'd read the magazine over and over and over again, like cover to cover, and I've still got a lot of the old magazines, and some of them are stuck together by sellotape, because I, I read them so much, and they're all worn at the edges, but you still see the underlinings of some of the words that I didn't understand, and, and my mum would explain that, and because I'd read them so over and over and over again, I'd eventually learn what those words mean, and I'd add them to my vocabulary, so I wound up you know, having quite an extensive vocabulary, and from that point forward, I kind of accelerated in everything I did, and that's one of the reasons why... Um, I love doing the shows that we do, and I love it that we we have our junior class of the Portsmouth School of Wrestling, and I love it that we can still run fa um, family-friendly shows, etc. Um, because I'd like to think that we uh, we can do the same for uh, you know interest young people and, and give them a bit of purpose, direction, motivation in life. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I, I kind of do what we do. Um, but going back to that magazine, um, they had a competition, um, and I think it would have been. It must have been early 93, I'm going to say. Oh, it may have been 92. Did, they, did WWF do any tours after SummerSlam? I think, I think they did. Okay, so it yeah. may have been late 92. But essentially, um, there was a competition to win tickets uh, for WWF. And we, uh, I entered with my terrible handwriting... Um, entered this competition and I've still got this letter and whatever I sent it off to WWF magazine and, and it said like why would you like to why would you like to attend a WWF live event and it was a live event at Earl's Court um, and I put down something like uh, so I, it was it was really something it was really quite sad it was like my family can't afford to take me something <laughs> like that and I'm the biggest WWF fan ever um, and uh, and for, for whatever reason, I wound up winning this competition and winning two free tickets to watch WWF at Earl's Court. Okay, so before we get to the end of this story, do you remember how you felt when you when you got that letter? What did 
I was made up because I think it had the WWF heading on it as well. Um, and I never, like, Post to me was the coolest thing ever because you used to get Post. So now I look at Post as being something like, Oh, like never a bill, get, isn't you it? never get good posts, do no. you? But back in the day, you used to all you used to do the you know collect um, collect your tokens in your cereal packet, and about three months later, you'd get uh, something which you don't want or need. Sure. But it's exciting when it turns up in the post, right? And um, so post used to be exciting, and especially when you got post and. Um, and I was, oh, I was ecstatic, and like I, I'm sure I took the letter into school. Um, show, I, I know, in fact, I know I did, and I remember showing my teacher, Mrs. Saunders, the letter, and she read it out to the class, and it was all like, oh, it was just wonderful, the best, the best news you could possibly have. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I felt. Yeah, that's how you felt. Yeah. And then, how did you feel? Shortly afterwards, <laughs> not to make light this situation. <laughs> I laugh at it with Andy because he's my friend, but. This is actually quite a sad story. It is a very sad story, yeah. Um, so basically, we got closer to the day of the show and my family realised they couldn't afford to take me. So we lived in Southend in Essex um, and the show was at Earl's Court in London. So, you know, I, being knowing what I know now, it's only like a, you know, a 50-minute train journey. Um, and my parents couldn't physically afford the tickets, the, the train tickets to take myself and either my dad or my mum to a show, um, so um, it was it was one of those things, that it, and it dragged out as well, it's like it got to the week of a show, and then there was someone, my dad had a friend called Danny, um, or no, no, my dad had a friend who had a child called Danny, and Danny was going to that show, and they were like, oh, perhaps we can see if he'll take you, um, or you can go up with them, and then it turned out, if they're driving, you know, you could get in the car with them, and then it was like, Oh, no, they're getting the train as well. Like, maybe we can afford one train ticket if you go with them. And then that never transpired. And it was like, oh, maybe your dad's going to try and take you. And it should be okay. And then it just kind of dragged out. And then it just didn't happen. And it got to the day of a show. And I was still hoping in my heart of hearts, I was still hoping that something would would happen. I think even right up to the time the show was going to start, I was hoping that, that it would happen. And... It never did. It never did. Oh, no. that, that is... And I've still got the letter to this day. And did you not send me a photo of the letter and the, yeah, and the, the tickets? Yeah, the tickets, because I've got the tickets. So the start... And, like, just so you know I'm not full of it, the, the, there's a stubs uh, are there attached, as well. Yeah. That's, they're kind of still attached. They fell off, and I think I'll put a bit of tape like behind 25 it. Like years the full, old yeah, but the, yeah. Full, the full ticket is there. The full letter congratulating me is there. Um, yeah, and that, that legitimately happened to me in my childhood. Um... So then I think, believe my first wrestling show was some crappy British wrestling show in contrast, which we saw advertised in the local paper at a local theatre um, a couple of years later. But you know who you need to talk to about this, don't you? Who? Auntie May May. Could she not have well, that's lent a your mum a fiver? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good one. Or yeah. give your mum a fiver. In hindsight, yeah, well, so that's, who we should, that's who we should have called. Yeah. Uh, but again, like it's one of those things, though, isn't it? You know, like um, I think time... W- was definitely different in those days um, and I think that there, there were obviously priorities I know for a fact because I spoke to her afterwards about it but I know for a fact it broke my mum's heart that that she couldn't take me to that show um, 
and, and I, I'm sure it, it broke my dad's heart as well. And, and I know that years later, um, when my friends bailed on a British wrestling show, my dad actually took me to a, a, a British wrestling show as well. Um, and that was featuring Marty Jannetty, one of your favourites. Uh, <laughs> he is my he is my only favourite who's still alive, unfortunately, is Marty Jannetty. Yes, yeah, so, uh, he, he was... Uh, yeah, he was at a show my dad took me to. And I think that was a bit of... And that was almost a bit of redemption. I think for him, that was a make good. Well, Marty Jannetty to a child who grew up in Marty because I've never seen Marty Jeanette wrestle live but yeah, my point is like that must have been quite a thrill to see Marty Oh Jeanette absolutely live. absolutely and, I, and and again let me get so like so I, I was yeah I, I never like I never held anything against my parents for that at all um, and I feel that um, it kind of it helped motivate me to become the person I am today um, and it helped motivate me to want to bring a higher quality of professional wrestling to the United Kingdom. So without that experience, that wouldn't have happened. Um, and yeah, like seeing Marty Jannetty and seeing like all the guys I saw when I was growing up, it was it was amazing. And and that Marty Jannetty story as well, just to um, you know go even one step further. That was we were we saw that show and I had my picture taken with him. And um, and I actually and I, I put the picture inside the program of the show program. And I got home and the picture was gone. No, you lost the picture that. was gone. I've lost it. But to anyone who's an actual friend of mine who's got me on WhatsApp, you'll know that that picture actually resurfaced because um, my mum called up the, the leisure centre and it was found in the leisure centre car park and the leisure centre posted it back to me. I didn't know that part of so the story at all. Cause there you yeah, go. I have, I, of course yeah, I've seen that's that picture. My, that's my WhatsApp profile picture, me and, me and Marty Giannetti side by side. Wow. So, yeah. Okay, so it was a bit of a, yeah, as you say, a bit of redemption. Um, so as you can tell, me and Andy um, are not ashamed, afraid, or you know, or proud. We are proud of the fact that we are childhood through to adulthood, WWF, WWE, the whole of the wrestling landscape. We 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 love it. If we didn't love it, we wouldn't be involved in it. Simple as that. And I think that's a big thing about wrestling as well, because you have to remember. Being in the professional wrestling business, and it might be a little bit different to some of the guys who are in the performance center, because I know WWE recruit models and, and powerlifters and athletes, etc., etc. But from a, a British perspective, if you're involved in the sport of professional wrestling, you almost have to be a fan of it because it's not like something you wake up and be like, I want to be a policeman, a fireman, I want to be a professional wrestler. You have to be a fan of professional wrestling to say, I want to be in the professional wrestling business, right? Well, there's no, there's, there's obviously no big contracts. You know, you start off, you know, the, the lowest of the low level, um, you know, you don't earn anything from it. You, you know, you for, for let's use Marty as an example. It's taken Marty 15 years near enough to actually get to a point where he's actually very, very successful. If, but he had 12 years, 10 years, 10, 12 years of really just like plodding around on the holiday camps, you know, local shows for Brian Dixon and whoever, yourself, anyone. Um, so to your point, Andy, nobody in their right mind, at least, is going to stick at this on a whim. Absolutely. Unless you've got a real love for professional you need wrestling. To, you need and, to love it. And, and something that I say to everyone all the time is I say, listen... Um, you, when you, there, t there are times when you'll be down. There are times when you'll be sad, upset. So as a promoter, it, it, for me, it's when I run a show in front of no one and I lose a ton of money and I feel a bit mm. sad. Um, or it's when someone says something horrible to me on Twitter. Yeah, you, you know. Um, I just want to make some people guilty who are being horrible to me on Twitter. I don't know, there are. Um, 
or for, for a professional wrestler, it may be if you have a bad match, if someone tells you you suck, if someone insults you on Twitter, or if you're not getting the bookings that you want. There's times when you're down or you've got no money and, and, and you're wondering, why am I doing all this, right? And you might be jaded with the wrestling business. What I always say to everyone is you need to remember that first and foremost, you're a fan of professional wrestling. And I always say you need to think about the, how you felt the first time you watched professional wrestling. And then ask yourself if the, the I know that obviously for us, we got in it as, as youngsters, but some people got in it older. But if the four-year-old you, the 13-year-old you, even the 20-year-old you, however old you were when you decided you liked professional wrestling, Ask yourself what that you would be thinking about where you are right now, what you've achieved and what you've accomplished. And for some people, that's just walking through the door of a wrestling school. For other people, that might be wrestling your first wrestling match or promoting your first wrestling show or being a cameraman at a show or being security for a show or being part of a ring crew, you know. Um, and just, you know, just think about how the, the younger you that watched wrestling for the first time would feel about you being in that situation. And it, it makes stuff feel a lot easier to take. Yeah, no, completely. You know, we see people come through the doors of, of this wrestling school in Portsmouth. We see people, you know, new people here nearly every week. And, but we've all, we also meet plenty of people, though, is my point, is we meet plenty of people who don't appreciate what they're embarking on. You know, like, so, so, you know, you run plenty of shows. You know the ones who are very passionate about it, who will come just to help set up the ring at the London cockpit because those people, I guarantee, those are the people, you know, your Harrisons, your, your Louis, guys like that. They're the ones... That's a way to ensure rate uh, some numbers <laughs> for the listeners there, isn't <laughs> it? Tell drop, some, drop some names, create some competition amongst the school. Uh, but they are, they are the ones who, you know, do think like that. They do think, well... No, I'm not wrestling today. You know, no one's going to know who I am today, but I'm here setting up a ring. I'm here holding a camera. You know, you think of that. You know, those are the guys who I think are the ones who go above and beyond to prove their sort of love for it are the ones who are going to make it at least to a, some level. Yeah, essentially you get out what you put in. Sure. It's, it's as simple as that. And uh, those that put in the most will get out the most. And sure, there's, there's exceptions. There's some people who slip through the net. There's some people who shoot to the top, but... You know, it's very, very rare that that happens um, without putting in the groundwork. Um, so, so yeah, but um, it's it's crazy. You have to be a fan of professional wrestling to be able to thrive and survive in this industry, um, which I guess brings us round to to you know the mentality of of so many people. Um, it, and I, I'd like to add that I think this has changed a lot over the last what would you say five six years the people who you know it would be for us if we were to speak about our love of professional wrestling um say five years ago maybe um or maybe maybe a bit longer maybe 10 years maybe ago 10 yeah because um, i've got a few stories of of what we're gonna you know what you're gonna talk about of how it wasn't it was a dirty word to be a punter yeah that is what it was almost an insult oh you're a punter you're a punter yeah. Uh, no, no. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't be here getting paid 15 quid, do you know what I mean, to, to, if, I didn't, if I wasn't a massive punter for it. Yeah. That's the reality of it. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a dirty word. It was a horrible um, environment to be in. To have any um, aspirations or ambitions was, was a That's dirty it, yeah, word. Yeah, like, like people would look down on you for, for wanting to go to America, for wanting to go to WWE, you know, like... Why, why would you want to go to WWE when you've got this 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> and the reality it was like uh, living the did, dream. Well, we did have good promoters. We did. Like you know, you can't knock Brian Dixon as a promoter. As a Absolutely successful not. Promoter. No. Scott Conway, guys like that, even John Fremantle. You know, they're all the the older generation, not aren't really old school, but older generation of pros. They were successful promoters, but the reality was to make any money to make it your profession, it is near enough impossible. You get guys who sort of. Say, let's be honest you get guys who say they're professional wrestlers but they still live at home do you know what yeah. I mean or their mum bought them a house or do you know what I mean like uh, so and that's, there's nothing wrong with that if they're fortunate enough to be in that situation that's excellent but if you said um, I can remember my first weekend on the camps uh, I was away with three um, three of the old school wrestlers for lack of uh, example and all three of them I get along with them great I really do but I can remember being grilled I was 18 I being grilled so wh- what do you want to do in wrestling then um, oh, I don't know really. Would well, you want to go to WWF? No, no. Obviously, I want to go to WWF. Is it going to happen? I don't know, but I'm damn sure going to try. So, uh, you know, we've we've come across plenty plenty of people like that. Plenty of conversations like that. Um, I don't know if you've got any examples off the top of your head, Andy, but. Um, yeah, being a punter was such well, a... One, one thing I will say, uh, and uh, it would probably be a recurring theme, um, I, I I remember it was it, you weren't allowed to get pictures taken with any of the... If there was like an American wrestler, you weren't allowed to get pictures taken with them because that would be looked down upon, you know. Oh, you should see yourself on the same level as him. Why, you know, why are you getting pictures, punter? You know, um... And in many ways, I I never denied my uh, my love of professional wrestling. I never ever denied that, but I did have that mentality of I shouldn't be getting pictures taken with some of the some of the wrestlers, you know, like the American wrestlers, and especially as a young referee um, coming in. And I worked with a, a lot of big names, and and I was always very much at the bottom of a totem pole, and I had no illusions of that fact of you know. I started off as ring crew, became a, a referee, um, and I had no illusions over the fact that I was literally the bottom of the bottom and I could be done at a moment's notice. I should be grateful for everything I've, I've achieved and I just wanted to impress those around me so much. Um, and and I, wouldn't get, I wouldn't get things like pictures taken with, with the wrestlers, even though I really, really wanted to. And I, I have regrets. Like, for example, um, I did a show with the Ultimate Warrior um, and I never got a picture with the Ultimate Warrior. We were talking to each other the same way we're sat down talking to each other now. Um, and I never got a picture with him because I just had that stupid British wrestling mentality of you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that. And of course, anyone who knows me now knows that, um, you know, I don't make those mistakes anymore. Like if, I, if there's someone I want to get a picture with, I'll get a picture with them. And I have no shame, about, no shame about doing that. And you can call me whatever you want for doing it. But, you know, I, I don't care. Um, and... That mentality, um, I think, has changed a lot. And I think one of the mentalities, that's what I wanted to break with with any locker room that I run. I've always wanted to take away that kind of bitter aspect of it. And I've wanted us to all rejoice in the fact that we're wrestling fans and, and not... With the word you just used there, which which is accurate to a degree, bitter. Okay, so it's not really bitter that... The bitterness stems from, I think... and. You can point fingers and blame who and why this happened and why that happened. But the bitterness stems from the fact that WWF came in to England and essentially knocked British wrestling for six. 
It's like that South Park wrestling episode, isn't it? They took our jobs. Right, yeah. <laughs> so so we were with, um, we promoted some events with Bret Hitman Hart, didn't we? Yeah. And we went for the most expensive Chinese we've ever had <laughs> with Bret Hart. Okay, and he said to us, didn't he, at the table, he said, because when he used to wrestle uh, in England in the early yeah, 80s, right. yeah, yeah. he said, as soon as WF turned up in England, he thought British wrestling's in trouble. That was his exact words. Yeah, he said, like, he, said he, he, he knew, like he loved the British wrestling scene, he loved the British wrestling wrestlers, he thought so they had some of the best wrestlers, some great characters, he said the se- and he thought the fans, he said one thing which has been consistent throughout his whole entire career is that the British wrestling fans have been some of the most vocal and passionate and knowledgeable wrestling fans. And he said the second that these fans get a glimpse of that American wrestling product, that's going to be the end for British wrestling as we know it. And he and he was in. He, the reality is, he was right for at least a, a long period. You know, he WWF I think was on uh, ITV um, some of the time, wasn't it? it alternated, yeah, they, I believe. They put in some WWF matches on the World of Sport. Yeah, sure. And then before you know, wrestling's gone completely. And WWF turned up, uh, I believe, in 1989 was their first tour here. Sky TV arrived around that period. Um, in the years leading up to that, and it's exploded, isn't it? You can't compete. Um, hopefully, one day, maybe someone will come along and compete on some You're level. Looking at that guy. <laughs> well, who knows? Who knows? But the but back to the word used, bitter. They're all not all, but that's where the resentment comes from. Is because the reality is they took their jobs. Yeah. Uh, and and for uh, for a new guy coming into the wrestling business now, um, sorry, back then when I started, two th- and you started, two thousand and one, early two thousands. Um, we would have been seen as almost part of the problem because we grew up watching <laughs> yeah. WWF wrestling. Yeah, I can we? see that. Yeah. We, we jumped straight into, oh, I didn't watch World of Sport. I didn't know what World of Sport was, but I knew who Bret the Hitman Hart was, who Ric Flair was, because WWF was everywhere. Yeah, shame on you for not knowing right. World of Sport guys. Exactly. So for us to ask for photos of these wrestlers was a double insult to the guys yeah, who came I before us. Yeah. So there you go. But um, I think, Andy, we're going to have to wrap up, unfortunately. Well, but this is a great subject. And I think if... If people are interested in enjoying this, we could carry this on next week. Um, well, I th- we could all come back to it another time. Well, I just think we scratched the surface, really. Well, we have, yeah. Can we, can we close on one story, though? And I think it was the impetus behind this topic. Because one of the things is, we again, we don't come into this with a plan. We don't really know what we're going to talk about. But we've decided to roughly have a, uh, a topic. So this week, we, we just literally said, we're going to talk about how we got into wrestling and being huge wrestling fans and this is where the conversations led us um but one of the um one of the the talking points that we've because we've been going over old stories and but like i've been saying to andy that please don't don't tell me the story now or don't remind me of a story now because i want to have a real reaction when you when you tell me that story um but one of the one of the key ones um and we should have really told it last week because it was survivor series time right mm. um was we did a show and it was actually at the Buckland, Buckland Community Centre, right? And it was an IPW show. Um, 2007. And, and, and it was a WAW versus IPW, IPW show. So um, it was um, one of those shows where uh, you'd have a series of singles matches and then you'd have an elimination match at the end, which, of course, anyone who knows an elimination match knows it as a Survivor Series match. Certainly within the age group of, you know, so I'd have been early 20s then. Um, everyone on that show was late teens, mid-twenties. Everyone would know, everyone would know Survivor Series. So, would you like to... So, shall uh, I tell it or shall you tell it? Well, I don't know. I think whoever tells it is going to get in trouble, aren't they? Well, I don't think um, that person would be listening. But the conversation went like this. So, as far as I remember it, 
I was part of the conversation, yeah, or so I was somewhere. You were, you, yeah, because it was who it was whoever was in the match. So there was you. I know LT Summers was there for sure. Zach Knight I, was on Team WAW. Yeah, um, uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you who else was on the the teams, um, but there was. Um, but yeah, like it, the conversation was, we were going through the running order because I was stood there as well. And I was been the referee at the time, but I was also IPW's booker at the time, um, and I was uh, so I was kind of privy to the conversation. And we we're just going through the running order, so it's like explaining the concept of a show, and it would be so it was like maybe again I don't know the exact number of matches, but it was like there's four I matches, four and, a, and then four there's and a, a Survivor Series tag at the end, right? So someone said to this wrestler, "Are we going to name him? We might as well." No. I don't know. You're looking at me. <laughs> looking okay, I'll name him. I don't care. Okay. So the wrestler was Brett the Craft Meadows, right? Now, at the time, he was wrestling as the Craft, and then he became Brett the Craft Meadows. Um, and I wonder why he was Brett the Craft Meadows. Do we know any Brett thes? Right. You sure. know. So okay. And and bearing in mind, I I like Craft a lot, and I used to think he was a, I think he was a very underrated wrestler. Um, uh, thought he had a lot of spark a lot of character so there's you know um but this this happened so what can i say <laughs> right yeah, yeah, um, so we stood backstage it's like so one of the guys goes okay so there's four matches and there's a survivor series tag and the reply was survivor what a survivor series tag mate a survivor what survivor series tag <laughs> no no you'll have to tell me what that is and then it was explained <laughs> Oh, it was an yeah. elimination match. Sure. Um, now, again, that's just an example of the times that we <laughs> we lived in. Yes, where <laughs> you weren't allowed. And, 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 and it might have just been him protecting himself, you know. You're probably right. You're probably right, because he grew up far more ingrained in that old school mentality than we did. So he had to, I would assume, anyway. I would you assume he's he trying to show what, like, impress... You someone. know, someone next to him or, yeah. or whatever. You oh, know? I can't, I can't let her and I know anything to do with WWE. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I might get in trouble, or yeah. you know, or, or teased. You yeah. know, like as yeah. we, you know, as you could easily be done back then. So, uh, so, so it's not. So let's just say it's not reflection on him as a person because we're probably going to get hate messages for this, or I will for name him. You name like, him. Yeah. yeah but the, <laughs> the point is, who cares? What what is there to hide from? Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like, we might as well just tell it like it is. You know. Um, but but yeah, that that happened, and that was the mentality of those times. And like, it, just to end, I'd like to think that we've done our bit in in changing that mentality. We always encourage our students at the Portsmouth School of Wrestling to watch WWE. We almost um, tease them for not for having the WWE and, Network. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> not having the knowledge. And what I always say is like, how can anyone? who wants to make money in professional wrestling, and, and, and you can argue about what WWE is and what WWE isn't, but how can anyone who's not wanting to make money in professional wrestling, how can they um, not pay attention to, quite frankly, the only company in the world which is making tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of money? You, take a, you pay attention to that. The same way you pay attention to New Japan Pro Wrestling, because they're also making a lot of money. They're the industry leaders. So, so why would you not? You, if you're a good student, you research and you know your business, you know your industry. And part of knowing your industry and knowing your business, if you're a 
into professional wrestling, if you're into British wrestling, if you want some history on British wrestling, part of that education is the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast, which you can listen to each and every single Wednesday. What an excellent way to wrap it up. Shall we, uh, shall we, um, so we can come back to the subject another time, because, uh, yeah, I feel like we've only just scratched the surface, but should we plug a couple of things that we've got coming up? Okay. Let's plug them. Referees course seminar for the first time Andy Gordon put a post up on revolutionprowrestling.com two days before had over 20 comments so there you go we've got about 14 people signed up we want to cap it about 16, 17 so if you are listening to this in time we would like to welcome you email either Andy at RevPro uh, on the Facebook the best best thing to do is if you email info at revolutionprowrestling.com that's probably your best bet now if you're listening to it after this weekend then Still email if you're interested in the referee training, and we can put your name on file. The next time we do something like this, we can let you know. There's obviously a lot of interest in in the non-wrestling aspects of professional wrestling, and we want to cater more to it at the Portsmouth School of Wrestling. So info at revolutionprowrestling.com. Let us know, and we can um, try and help facilitate your dreams. Sure. So hopefully we will see you all there, and um, thanks for listening. And follow me on Twitter at aquilden. A-Q-U-I-L-D-A-N. Bye.